0: Hello and welcome into the Luke Winstall Show. I'm your host, Luke Winstall. Thank you all for tuning in. Today I talked with Sam Crenshaw. Sam covers Georgia State men's and women's basketball and ESPN+. He covers Georgia State football as a sideline reporter and also used to cover the Falcons on the sideline, but now covers them on local Atlanta radio station, 92.9 The Game. Today I talked with Sam about Georgia State sports and the Atlanta Falcons. had some very interesting conversations. went off into some great places. I really think you'll enjoy the show. Thank you all for tuning in. Now let's get to the interview. Mr. Crenshaw, thank you for joining me on the Luke Winstall Show. How are you doing today?
1: Fine, Luke. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing really well. Well, My first question for you, you're the basketball men's and women's play-by-play guy on ESPN for Georgia State. With basketball season coming up, What's the outlook for both of those teams? Wow.
1: Uh, outlook is great. A lot of uh, infusion of, of new talent, especially for the uh, Georgia State women, who have a lot of seniors last year. But they do return a good core group for Coach Jean Heal. Um, Jada Lewis returns once again, and uh, she's out of McEachin High School and played for those state championships out there. Um, she's going to be the floor leader, and uh, she is one of the top players in the Sun Belt Conference and. As she goes, so goes his team. Allison Johnson came in last season and did a great job uh, out of Norcross, also another state championship program, but she uh, uh, played her first years of college basketball at Kennesaw State and transferred in. Um, also, um, in the women's team have a number of transfers that they're waiting to, to bring in, uh, some from places like, like Pitt. There's one from Clemson in Alabama as well. I wanted to come in and join in with Coach Genial and what he's done. and uh, He came in and did an excellent job last year, he had one of the best seasons they've had in recent memory, uh, and even got a chance to play some postseason basketball. Uh, so it's been great. It's been great, and uh, I've had a chance. I was at practice one day this week, and it's very upbeat, up-tempo, uh, that I think a lot of people will enjoy coming out to see them play. they got a big game on their schedule. Maryland is coming to Georgia State uh, to play against them, so it's big to have a big ten opponent come and play on Decatur Street, so that's going to be big when they have that game.
0: Awesome. I know you're also the sideline reporter for Georgia State football. What was that experience like when Georgia State knocked off Tennessee? What was that like for you?
1: Wow. Uh, amazing. Amazing. And and I, and I will say this. I, I, I won't say I knew that they, they could win it, but if they were going to, playing Tennessee the first game of the year was the best opportunity. Tennessee right now is a program in a state of, you know, transition. Uh, with Jeremy Pruitt, and they they have very few seniors that play a lot on that team, uh, so they don't have a lot of leaders. Now they got great athletes. Um, we got you know Tennessee always recruits great athletes, but I think so many of the guys have been up there two three years, and once they figure out we're not going to get past Georgia, we're not going to get past Bama. Let me play my three years of football and try to go to the NFL. And I think they've had a lot of that happen up at Tennessee. So you know you got a lot of talented guys passing through there. Uh, but they're not standing together long enough that a group becomes leaders. And that's what we saw in the second half of that game. They had no leaders. Uh, their body language was different, and Georgia State was bouncing. Uh, they had worked all summer to get ready for this game also. They were in better shape and better condition than Tennessee. Uh, and it was amazing to see these big, talented physical specimens and and I'm looking down the line, and I'm seeing Nigel Warrior and all these guys who played at Peachtree Ridge and Grayson and North Gwinnett and Carquest County. You know, it's like a it's like a Georgia All Star team that's that, that's up there. Uh, they got 25 kids from Georgia on their roster.
0: you covering a lot of local athletes in Georgia like you mentioned how do you think Tennessee kind of sells their program right now to recruit those kids from Georgia that you just talked about
1: um because because Tennessee you know if if guys want to go play in the league you know what i mean if guys want to go play in the NFL um Tennessee is one of those places that you go to and you get that stamp on your resume tracks guys who feel like, Hey, I want to be on the inside track. I'm going to get them to do some, do some great individual coaching. That's going to get me ready to succeed at the next level. The thing is to turn that great individual talent into a team. And that's going to take some time because, uh, and, and, you know, people say, well, is Tennessee going to fire the coach. Well, that's what got in the place. They're in now by making that job a revolving door. So they kind of have to stick and be patient with Jeremy Pruitt is, he's, he's, you know, Nick Saban, yeah, he's been around championships. He's worked at Georgia and worked with Jimbo Fisher at Florida State. So uh, I think those type of things will happen, you know, in in the future for Tennessee. But it was great to see Georgia State go up there and get that win. It was a signature win for the Georgia State program. And uh, right now they're one win away from being bowl eligible. Still in the month of October, and um, this is rare. This is rare hair for Georgia State football. We've never been in this position before and I've worked with them. I've covered uh, Georgia State and been a part of the broadcast crew for all 10 years of football. It's their 10th year and um, this has never been the case before. So it was great to see they're just coming off a rain-soaked but um, emotional win over Army Saturday night. Uh, It was great to see Army had a lot of support. They came out obviously whenever they go they don't get to play games in this part of the country too often. They had a Humvee parked out front uh, it was something to see the team get off the bus, not dressed in warm-ups in and, uh, and, uh, gym shoes, but in army fatigues. They looked like soldiers uh, getting off and going to, go and to go into the locker room. It was a sight to see and, uh the way they play uh, because then maybe that better be the biggest or the fastest or the strongest, but their technique and their discipline. Um, they're not going to beat themselves. you have to beat them. And then in the end, they had their band to play the Army hymn. And if you ever watch the Army-Navy game, you know at the end what they do. And uh, the fact that they did it in uh, in Atlanta and the Georgia State players got to stand around them as they sung it. It it was a very, very emotional night. And uh, it was great to see Georgia State get a win over programs like Army and Tennessee this year.
0: I was going to ask, I think you've kind of covered it there, but I just want to check. With the women, well, I,
1: I, I, I didn't get into Georgia State men's basketball. I'll talk about the women, but the men, of course, this is the uh, you know the, uh, the the year the transition from Ron Hunter, uh, you know, the man who fell off the stool. Uh, and so <laughs> Speaking of Tennessee, who was the number one assistant under Rick Barnes at Tennessee. And so that was ironically as, as Georgia State beat the football team. Hey, we beat the football team and we got you. We got your top basketball recruiter too, oh, by the way. <laughs> uh, and Rob Lanier, um, who was coming in and promises a bigger team. He says, we're going to play bigger opponents and we want to look them eye to eye. We don't want to be short or come up short. We want to physically match up with those guys. And he went out and recruited. He got a guy six ten, uh, Jalen Thomas, out of Detroit, Michigan, uh, who's going to be great to watch either at the four or the five. Uh, he's going to bring some size and going to make Georgia State a threat on the inside for scoring and rebounding. And a guy named Joe Jones the third. You may not know his name; uh, a lot of people wouldn't. He's big 6'9", 245, I watched him in practice, but you do know the name of his half brother, Greg Oden, who's a big guy who played, you know,
0: some years oh, ago had some health
1: really? issues. Yeah. So Greg Oden's brother is at Georgia State. The big 6'9", dude, he's not as tall as Greg, but a physical presence. And I just see him as a glass eater. You know, this dude is just going to dominate the boards, and uh, it's going to be a different kind of Georgia State team. Still can go up-tempo, still going to play the great defense like was known with, with, uh, with, with Ron Hunter. But I think Lanier wanted to be not living so much by the jump shot but at least be a threat to go on the inside. And I think the way this team is being configured, they're going to be able to do that. So looking forward to it. Their first uh, game, they got an exhibition with Point on November 1st. Uh, Bruton Parker's the first ESPN Plus broadcast we're going to have on November 6th. They travel to College of Charleston on November 9th. And uh, then comes an interesting weekend. As part of the uh, Empire 2K Classic that uh, benefits Wounded Warriors Project, they will play Duke in Raleigh on November 15th. That's a Friday night. And then on Sunday, they will travel to Washington, D.C. and play Georgetown. That's a weekend for you. Um, so that's, that's big. Well, yeah, you're going to play Duke on Friday night. And, oh, by the way, on Sunday, you got to go to D.C. and play against Patrick Ewing in Georgetown. Um, that's how the season is starting. For Georgia State so I'm looking forward to it man I I think it's going to be a challenging year with a new coach um some exciting new talent but man that's a tough schedule I mean you got to play Duke and and Georgia you know what it's like being at the NCAA tournament you know you're going to play one you know you know that next team is going to be a tough team or they wouldn't be there so um in so many ways the way this schedule is set up is to get them ready for the conference schedule and, um, you know, the possibility of continuing those strings of NCAA tournament appearances that uh, Georgia State has kind of gotten a little reputation for. So it's, it's an exciting time to be there.
0: Yeah, sounds like there's a great season ahead for the men's and women's teams. Now I want to switch gears and ask you about the Atlanta Falcons. You talk about them on local radio station 92.9 The Game. What's going on this year with Atlanta? Well, I well,
1: uh they've they've fallen and they can't get up and and no one's more surprised than everyone at the station i mean we clearly didn't see this coming We, we really didn't we felt like uh the team had the talent i mean my goodness we're just a year removed from from playing in the super bowl and having one of the greatest seasons in in the history of the franchise and uh uh, with with so many people back, with you know, with uh, with with Devontae Freeman coming back at running back, says wow. Now the offense is going to operate the way it's supposed to operate, you know. It, and he's going to run the way he does. It's going to open up things even more for Julio. It, 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 we see this offense just really clicking. And, and on defense, you paid some money for some people. You made the fans happy, you know. You got the contracts for Matt Ryan. You got the contract for Julio Jones. You got the contract for Grady Jarrett. That's what the fans wanted. They wanted to see you make a commitment to guys who've been doing the work for the team and into the future. And um, you've had some injuries that have taken place with some key people, um, but also it's been a disappointment. The secondary, you know, was going to be a little young. So you hope that the experience up front and your linebackers were going to give some time for that secondary to jail and, and mature and, and unifying it to me that hasn't happened there's not good play in the secondary and it doesn't matter what quarterback they face it seems like you know everybody is is able to move through the air against the against the falcons defense uh which is a disappointment to uh to see um you invested a lot of time and money in your draft picks with the offensive line they haven't been healthy um and and now you got your quarterback hurt that you spent all your money on and matt ryan and and, you know, with Matt Schaub, this, this team is not going to move the way it, it, it could and should. Um, and so that, you know, this morning we get the news, Mohamed Sanu uh, gone to New England. And people say, is this the beginning of the rebuild? Are we going to tear it all the way down? Or are we going to get certain pieces and try to maintain? I, I, I think if you're going to keep Matt Ryan at quarterback, you can't do a complete tear down. You, you, you can't do a complete rebuild if you're going to hold on to him. You, you know, he's at the stage in his career gonna send them through a rebuild you know you're gonna to try to restore and get people around and plug the holes and, and whatever you need to do um, to try to keep going on with the entity that you have with with he and Julio um, together and so that's that's the tough part about this team if this is the beginning of the rebuild well you don't want this to turn into Miami you know what Ooh, I mean where guys no. know <laughs> right where, where guys know they're mailing it in and injuries to keep people in the first two or three weeks of the year. That team just couldn't overcome it. But we felt like they had made some of the moves to, to plug some people in and this team should be able to move and, and, and accomplish things uh that last year's teams couldn't. We even brought back Matt Bryant. But when he missed when he missed against the card you're like, oh my goodness, it's just it's not in the card. You know, that's 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 destiny when you bring a guy back who you know has been like cash money for you you know, the guy's been cash money for you the entire time. And, uh, nobody felt worse than, than he did, obviously. But you just said, man, well, that you too. It happens. To you. you know, it's the guy who's been steady Eddie for us. So, um, uh, it's different. And I know the management and the ownership of the team. are not pleased with the empty seats on Sunday, uh, the fans are speaking, uh, with a very loud voice by saying nothing. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I've, I've, been through the worst of times with Falcons before. Um, my family moved to Atlanta in 1974 in the old Fulton County Stadium. I remember the Falcons setting a record, NFL record for no shows at oh, one wow. time. The Falcons, the Falcons held the NFL record for no shows. They bought enough tickets for a game because back then you had blackouts. If you didn't sell enough tickets to call it technically a sellout for your for your game, you um you know your game wasn't shown locally all our games are shown locally now since Arthur Blank brought the team and we sell out. Well, you don't see blackouts anywhere anymore. The NSL is so popular. But back in the day, uh, the, the, the Falcons weren't good and the people bought the tickets and stayed away like a, a mass protest. And the, so the game was shown shown in town and there was a stadium with a bunch of empty seats and all the seats in Fulton County Stadium were like blue. It was like this ocean <laughs> he was, uh, and it's just ugly, ugly, ugly. So uh, Atlanta fans, you know, we, we, we want to win, and, um, and 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 uh, you know, you want it better for Arthur Arthur Blank because as an owner, you know that he is dedicated to the team winning. He's not like some owners who cut corners and won't pay players and trade guys rather than you know he's he's done his best to try to you know be customer satisfaction. How about that? Like Home Depot. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Actually, he's, he's taking that same principle that he, you, you, you apply to buckets and paint, chainsaw, seal fans, and he's applied it to...
0: Like for me, when I look at the Atlanta Falcons, this is their worst year since the two thousand seven year, where you had Joey Harrington, Byron Leftwich, Chris Redman at quarterback. You had the whole. I
1: hope, I hope to one day write a book about that year. Oh man! <laughs> now, I do, and I mean, not, not. I mean, a lot has been said about it. Obviously, we're talking about the season when Michael Vick was taken away and, right. and everything. And yep. I, I was covering the team at the time, and a lot of people have told his story. You know. But to me, no one's really told the story of the men who were in that locker room. Mm. I was looking back on it. No one's really told their story. They had their livelihoods hanging in the balance. Luke, the, the first day of training camp, and I'll share this with you, the first day of training camp, it was so bizarre. We go to Flowery Branch for the team to go on the field for his first practice. And on one side of the field, there are people who are Michael Big supporters, uh, wearing them because, of course, he was not there. Uh, wearing the number seven jerseys, and on the other side of the street, there were people with dogs on leashes. They brought the dogs out to Flower Branch, and when the team takes the field, somebody rented a, a charter plane with a streamer behind it, a banner behind it, changed the team, changed the team's name to Dog Killers, and flew it around the field. And with that backdrop, that team had to go out, and those men had to fight for their professional lives that year. To me, no one has really told the story or allow those men to actually talk about looking back on it what that year was like and and to be constantly asked every day about somebody who wasn't there um it, it was a trip to the other side man and and then in the, and then in the middle of the night your coach takes off and goes to work in arkansas and leaves a note posted to the door uh to the hey, you know, it's, that's that just not supposed to happen
0: no. you know
1: you know what i mean right Petrino would talk with me, I doubt if Arthur Blank would talk with me, <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> but, but you would need those people to, to make it, because just what that year, you know, was, was, was like, um, and, and just the fans, it just it ripped the city in two, um, the people who still adored him, and, and one of them, he's our guy, he was like our Michael Jordan kind of character, we so rarely have those kind of players in Atlanta. Right, You know, those guys that people will pay money to see. We, You know what, now each of our pro teams has one of those guys. You think about it. You know, people all over the country will pay to see Julio Jones. Right. People all, people all over the country will pay to see Ronald Acuna Jr. People all over the country coming up, especially after this year, will pay to go and see Trey Young. If he has another season like the way he finished his past season, he's on the way to that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, for the soccer team, Joseph Martinez uh we got one of those guys on each of our teams for the first time ever that uh, not only get us excited but make people in other cities buy tickets because that's what Vic was i mean traveling with the team and seeing how people in other cities reacted to him coming was amazing man it was amazing to see go to other cities and see people show up in number seven jerseys um just like people here show up in a in a 23 jersey when LeBron James comes to town, or or 24 jersey when Kobe Bryant used to come to town, everybody would go out to Champs or Foot Locker or wherever and get a, you know what I mean?
0: Right. People were doing right.
1: people were doing it for Atlanta. People don't used to do that for an Atlanta player, and um, it's just amazing time. Just an amazing time.
0: Yeah, that would be. I don't know awesome. I I
1: this. I don't know if this what you call, call talk about it, back, man. <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah. You, you brought up that season, and That that was that was a, an amazing season to be in Atlanta and to be covering the Falcons.
0: Yeah, see, for me, I grew up watching Michael Vick, and that was my first taste of a mobile quarterback in the NFL, like a transcendent superstar player. And then all of a sudden, you know, my parents had to explain to me what happened, and
1: yeah. it was just bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he came to this city and just changed the total vibe. And people say, well, Deion Sanders was big, and Deion was. Mm-hmm. Was, it, was just, it was just a different era of the team. The NFL wasn't everywhere where it was then. ESPN was still barely new. But now Sports Center was ingrained in everybody by the time Vic came along. And so everything he did, we saw over and over and over and over again. You know, And so that was the other thing. Um, um, uh, like I said, Falcons had problems with sellouts until Vic came off. The blank bought the team, and for people who don't remember – the first thing he did was the upper deck of the Georgia Dome tickets were ten bucks. So everybody bought a season ticket. Now we got these PSLs and things that nobody wants to buy. Oh gosh, probably. yeah. But but <laughs> but, the, but but uh, that was one of the main things with with, uh, with with that that team at the time. When he bought the team, he dropped the upper deck to ten bucks, and then he turned number seven loose. Well, now you got a waiting list for season tickets. People, you know, it's, it's, people are like, how do I get in there? I want to see this guy. So, but once again, that's customer service. You know, you, you apply the same principle. what do I have in my store that you want? I want to get you under the roof. I want to get you through the door. Because that's where way home. As a homeowner, that's the way Home Depot works. You go in looking for one thing, and you end up with five or six other things. You know, just, it's like Walmart for your house. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, that's the, what he said. I'm going to get you under the roof and let me, let me turn this guy loose. And you're going to sign up for season tickets for the next 15 years. And that's what a lot of people thought. They just didn't know that, um, that that Mike wasn't gonna wasn't gonna be here with us for that long.
0: Yeah, for me, that's one thing that is kind of interesting now. When you talk about the no shows and people not coming to the stadium, you know, for me, I'm not paying that amount of money to go watch this team. I can tell you that right now. But looking at the PSLS and the season ticket prices heading into this year, it's just like it's almost like robbery compared to the product they're putting out
1: say this is is the National Football League. I it's not just off to blame, but it's the National Football League. And um, it, it's a crucial time, an interesting time for the sport of football and for people who loved it and who played it and, and wanted to be always that top thing that people love because the NFL is in a particular place. Um, you know, because and a lot of it goes back to the CTE and the fact that they tried to hide it from people and what it was doing to some of the players. And there are a lot of people who won't support it because of that. There are a lot of people who won't support it because of the price. Um, And so it's become a target. It's become a target for a a, a number of things, Uh, anything out of the ordinary, domestic violence, or anything that that, that becomes something that looks like that the NFL doesn't toe the line on You know down in Waycross and Ware County, yeah, it, 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 it's the place to be, it, it's the thing, and because of the enthusiasm for it, football is, is healthy in this state. But there are a lot of other states where it's, 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 not, it's not as healthy, and not as many kids or people, their parents are steering them away from it. So, and to me, it all goes back to the greed. You know, the owners, you know, they're sitting on a whole lot of money, and um, you know, that, that's why you know, and I think that's the, I wonder what could deter people uh, from embracing football and, and kind of turn away from it, turn it off. And it, it, it's the greed. You know, I think people say the same thing. You say, I'm not going to pay that much money to go down there and sit and watch that team. It's not a good product, you know, and the owners are like, okay, well, all we got to do is turn our cameras on and we're going to get so much money from the TV deals. Great. I mean, they found a lot of different things. They've, made it obvious that they're doing deals with uh, with gambling. With, you know, uh, they've come out and said they're partners with, I forget, Caesars or whoever out in Vegas, and then you have some questionable calls at the end of a Monday night game a couple of weeks ago. People said, well, wait a minute. Has this got something to do with, you know, making sure certain clean teams make it to the playoffs and certain teams don't? People get that question in their mind while the league is making money and being obviously an overt which for years they used to always deny, but now they're being obvious. We are in with you know with without with, with gamble. We are in with with FanDuel or whatever. We we are involved with that. So I just think um I just think people see the see see the the, the greed, and um you know I think that's why people react the way they are right now to the NFL. It's still popular. Don't get me wrong. Now right. the NFL still still popular, but you wonder what could start chipping away at it. And I think, that's, I think that's a big part of it. Do we have too much NFL? I'm not a big fan of the Thursday night games. I think you don't give players enough time for their bodies to recover uh, and really prepare. I mean, you could put an NFL game on every night and people will watch you if that's what you're going to do. But, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of the Thursday night games. Uh, uh, to me, I watched some of them. It seemed like the players, I'm not saying not like giving their best effort. But, I mean, if these guys played Sunday and they only had Monday to recover, Tuesday and Wednesday they're on a jet going somewhere to play a game that's that's a tough turnaround um, it, it really is but um, you know the league has done it they've said it um, let's see what happens as far as the preseason you have some preseason games that they want to charge people full ticket price for and the players you want to see stand on the sideline with baseball caps on um, and I understand that too uh, you want those players healthy for games that matter and nobody's going to buy a ticket to see a man on crutches. I understand that. I get that. But, <laughs> yes. you're, still, but you're still charging people full tilt for the ticket. So, that's, you know, like I said, people are seeing the greed, and um, you, you wonder where it's going. But, you know, we, we, we'll see. It's, you know, the owners, got to to me, they got to be a little more realistic about the time. Oh, and by the way, um, the attention spans of the younger fans that are coming along, right. they have to do deal- uh, all all sports, just football, but all sports are having to deal with that, and that's the other thing that's making soccer so popular. It's two hours,
0: and then you're gone and, and done. Yep,
1: just like just like college basketball, and you can you can go to it, and you can plan for what you're going to do afterwards because you know it's going to be over. Other sports can't do that, and so um, you know that's kind of going to become the new norm. Yeah, we got something we can go to. We can get down there, we're going to have a good time, enjoy it, and we know afterwards that if we want to go something else, you know, we're still going to have time to do it. Uh, we're not going to have this overtime. We're not going to have extra innings. We're not going to have, you know what I mean? Right. So that's, that's that other thing when you come to pro sports. That's the other dynamic as we look at the empty seats in Mercedes-Benz Stadium.
0: And gosh, there a are a lot. lot. I looked at the yeah. camera when it panned out on Sunday at the Rams game. I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, there's no one in the lower bowl. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's harsh. And if we're going to melt this team down, that will only get worse. Right. Uh, so, So we'll see, we'll see,
0: we'll see. Well, you mentioned melting the team down. I've got one more question for you. What do you think or what would you project as we stand right now? What would a rebuild look like for the Falcons or a retool? What are you thinking is realistic for the team as they try to climb back towards contention? But we know that won't happen this year, but in the future.
1: Oh, no, in the future. I, and, and maybe you might have to part with some other, you know, Sanu is when He gets your second-round pick. You might have to look at, a, at another player that you can, can part with and see if you have value. You wonder who on defense could you get anybody for. You know, and then people talk about Big Beasley. They were probably counting on him having a better season to give him some value. What kind of value does he have? Um, you know, so that's, that's the thing is finding players would have the value that you can afford to let go of um in order to get some draft picks to help you kind of replenish but even with the draft picks you're talking about young players who um even if they're phenomenal college players it's going to take a minute to process and learn the nfl game so i mean that's that's the catch-22 right now but if you're going to do it with matt ryan you know, you you can't do a complete meltdown. You you, you got to try to plug in and 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 uh, and get some things to, to get forward. You got to get your offensive line healthy. You're probably going to add another piece for that. I don't know who you let go. I don't know if Mac if you, you feel like he's done all he can do for you at center. Do you bring somebody new in for that position? Uh, you got tight ends to do well with Hooper. Um, you know, do you make any type of trades? there your front line, you brought some guys back like Clay Warren and people that you thought were gonna really do some great things for you with your defensive line and you just haven't had any type of pressure on your core on the quarterback. Um to me those are some things that you gotta address. You gotta get somebody you know is gonna get some pressure on the quarterback. Tack McKinley, we're still looking for him too and I guess the jury's out on him a little bit more than Vic Beasley. We've had several years to watch Vic Beasley. Um, you'd be hoping that tack would be the guy that, you know, he's shown flashes of being, um, and, and that's the thing is secondary. You got to strengthen. I, I don't know who you can deal. Uh, you know what I mean? Who you can trade that would have the kind of value to is like one of those guys, you know? And so you make, you make the deal, you know, with him, um, and, and try to get you some pictures. So that's the thing that the saints do that the saints, you know, they plug, they find guys they can plug in, and you look up, and they have some draft picks, have a great season, and get the draft of a Sonny Michelle. You're like, how do they get the draft a guy like Sonny Michelle? They're always winning, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that, that,
0: exactly.
1: That don't, even, that don't even seem fair. That doesn't seem fair at all. Um, and um, for a team that usually runs quarterback or running back by committee, you know what I mean? They usually right. plug anybody running back, but no, you're going to get one of the best in the country and plug him in. So um, I, you know we'll see we'll also see as far as
0: Again,
1: your, your punter turned in the best tackle all season last year <laughs> you know yeah. how are you going to fire that guy <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so so I, you know I, I don't know I just hope that it will be something an in infusion of, of um, talent that would just you know especially for Matt he's, he's been good for this team we mentioned the 2007 season and how he came in after that said all the right things did all the right things and just leveled some things off and I know a lot of people, uh, there are a lot of detractors from him because he hasn't won enough of the big games. Um, but but uh, he, to me, he did something for the team in the city that was needed at the time. And I know it's been a few years now. A lot of people want to forget about that. But you brought up that season. And uh, Matt's arrival brought some stability for the team, for the franchise, and, and everybody was able to get um, around him. And so, uh, you know, that to me, that makes him special for Atlanta, for the team, for that reason. And for that reason, I hope they can do whatever they can do to get the team back there and he still be a part of it.
0: Well, Mr. Crenshaw, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining me on the show.
1: Yeah, it's been great. Have a good time. I hope I wasn't too long with it, but, but enjoy, enjoy visiting with you.
0: Thank you all for tuning in to the Luke Winstall Show please be sure to follow the podcast on social media at Luke Winstall show. I appreciate your support and I'll see you back next time with another show.